brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. And by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. All right, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm with some totally just gorgeous human beings and badass people who are trying to make the world a better place. I am with Commander Sergeant Major Retired Tom Satterley and Jen Satterley, and we are sitting and talking about Arsenal of Hope, as well as the All Secure Foundation, as you can see in my shirt. It is no joke. They're doing the work, and they are practicing what they preach. Guys, I'm so excited to have you here. You have no goddamn idea. It's been a while. We've been trying this for just a little bit. It's been a minute. It's been Been like a a COVID disaster of trying to book people and and, and get everyone here and get everyone together. And I'm just so glad it finally worked out. I'm going to put these right here because I want people to go and buy these books because they are not all. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I read your what you guys wrote to me on the inside, I know it's silly to you and you sign books for people, but I cried. I'll get it. Good. Goal reached. Cried. I, I can't tell you. Um, You know, you two have this way of being an example for the community in in a way that I just didn't think was possible from a family unit standpoint. And that to me shows that there's a little bit of hope left. Uh, I think Tom, you know, I'm just going to jump into it. You're a Delta dude. And when people ask what a Delta dude is, I just go, they don't exist. So they're not real. They're a figment of my imagination and they just (laughs) disappear. So that's what Tom is. And when I found out about you guys and I started to realize what you were doing, not only for one another, but together for others, I, I, I jumped all over it. It was, I believe it was Brett Gilliland. Did I say, I can never say, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's it. I don't ever say his name. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's so difficult sometimes. I get like a time going. Yeah, Brett G. And he introduced us. And um, I just knew I had to talk with you guys. I knew I had to find out what you were doing. And I knew I had to just scream about you because I think uh, there is a drastic need with having a, what is it, 95%, not only divorce rate, but just the alcoholism, the suicidal ideations and PTS that we don't need to struggle with on our own. And you're doing exactly what I always hoped people would start doing. So can you guys tell me everything about you and what you're doing? Wow. Yeah. He always looks right at me. I know, right? Every time it's, I hear like a... <gasps> if I start talking, I get in trouble. So oh, I just look at her first. And I, so. Plus I've got a makeup situation with the eyeball. So go ahead. Yeah, those Good facts time. that you throw out there um, about the 95% divorce rate, um, the drinking, the DUIs, the loss of their careers. Guys don't even pay attention to that, right? Because mm-hmm. I think I did a post a couple of days ago about therapy is a word nobody likes to talk about. It's like, I don't have therapy. Ooh, and they shut down, they get weird. But yeah, you know, I'm like, here's some other words you can talk about. Divorce, suicide, death, punishment, anger. You know, all these things that are a little bit worse than therapy. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, guys are like, well, I'm training for this. I'm training for that. I'm training, training, training. I'm like, all right, so what are you training for? Well, the enemy, the enemy. Okay, well, in the in 20 years of war, 
Right. We've lost 7,140 service members to combat. We've lost 114,000 to suicide. So where is our money and our time going, right? It's in the wrong place. The enemy can't touch us. So that is our, that has been my job is to try to get these, these pipe hitters, these badass motherfuckers that won't ask for help because they're badasses, right? Right. (laughs) Is to get out there and, and use the people that think I was a badass or, oh, Tom was a bad, Delta guy's a badass, whatever. Yeah. And then also bring out that, oh, by the way, it destroys you. Oh yeah. It It destroys you on the inside unless you, unless you do something about it. Right. And I don't care how badass you are. I don't care how many pipes you carry and how many you know times you swing and hit people all day long. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and that's that's what I've been trying to stop. Is it happening? Right. We don't we can't stop a suicide that's already happened. The 22 a day, 22 to 28 a day during covid, the the special operations suicide rate tripled, triples there is tripled the last two years in a row, I think. So we can't help that. But we can help the 4.4 million people that reach out every year for help. Right. So 4.4 million is a big number. I don't know why all these special ops guys are like, not me, not me when they're the ones that do all the work. Right. So that's right. Let's open up and understand that when you do that much work, it affects you and it's okay. It's, it's and it'll affect your family and it'll affect your kids and it'll affect people that you have a close relationship with. And we'll go around and talk to guys and gals and I'll say, Hey, who's heard of secondary PTS? And I think Maybe two people have raised their hands out of thousands. People don't even know that, you know, and the guys will say, and the gals, I don't want to bring the war home. Well, it's home. It's there. And just, yeah, you can't help it. And it's, and we try to normalize it too, right? Because there's so much shame and embarrassment associated with kind of the normal behavior that comes from being a warrior. And you know, what we do is go out and say, Hey, listen, we've been through it. If, if something, if you've done something shameful, we probably both have done it in spades twice. Yeah. yeah at least twice. twice on Sunday. Practice is the first one. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. it's like, Hey, it's normal. It's well, you gotta get it. it right. Right. If you're going to do it, you got to at least practice Perfection. To get yeah. it right. Yeah. And that's the fun really part of what it. we do. Yeah. The fun <laughs> part of what we do is tell people that they need to go get help. So, you know, the, the hardest part actually is getting people to Get help before they need it, right? Ah, uh, yes. Preventative like, help. Right. Preventative maintenance checks and services. I joke about the comic books we've had in the Army since I've been in. You open them, they got the guy with the big muscles. Work on your weapons oh, yeah. and clean them. PMCS, right? Don't let it break. When it breaks, it takes longer to fix. It costs more money, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the leaders, you know, that's another approach we take with leaders. It's it's not just about rub dirt on it, okay? If you, if you like the hardcore shit, rub dirt on it, you know. All right, well, then look at it this way. It costs more money to let that guy break and then lose him than it does just to maintain him. And you don't have to spend two million to train another guy. And oh, by the way, he's been here five, six, 10 years and he's got more experience. And you're going to let that walk away because you don't want to tell him to go PMCS this, this thing up here that does all your decisions and makes all your choices. And when you pull up that site and that front site and you're watching somebody run across the street, whether you pull that trigger or not. Right. Right. How angry are you at your spouse? How angry are you at the enemy? How how well are you truly thinking and making those decisions? And that's the guy one next to me, the guy that's gotten the help, the guy that's right at home, the guy that's right at work, because he's better than a guy that's only right at work. 
Well, that's it. And that's what people I think forget is there's so much with family unit. And when you guys are going and you're seeing them in the sporadic timeframes that you are and the things that you're putting up with, I mean, for God's sakes, you can't expect people to just have these light switches that turn off and on that. It's not how, how the goddamn brain works. I, I often refer to mine when that happened to me, that the light switch turned off because for whatever reason, that makes sense to me. It's the most on off, like it, like it, it, that's it. But you can't turn compassion and love and patience and acceptance. You can't have them. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And it, I, I rant about this when it comes um, to leadership because I'm recently finding out and leadership is recently finding out the bullshit I'm spewing about their dickhead behavior. And, um, you know, the number one thing I always say to them, and it's, it's just like what you just said there, you need to maintain a weapon. You need to maintain like our barrel. When we shoot that thing, when an M777 gets fired, it's got a certain amount of rounds that can go down that range before it has to be worked on or that shit will fail when you need it most. So why aren't we doing preventative things and or why aren't we doing things actively during to keep our investment? If you want to look at it from a, you don't even want to bring in the help of people thing because, you know, the government, it's numbers. So if you go, yeah. right, so break it down to yeah. numbers. How much does it cost to train a person? How much does it cost to train a special operator? How much does it cost? What's the, you know, all of this worth? Yeah. And so it's like, at the very least, why wouldn't you want to protect your investment? I mean, if you want to think strictly not about humanity and that's we it talk about that too we're like take the human factor out when we right. we talk to leaders across the board we're like we get it you have retention issues you have recruitment issues and then you have an issue with if you know for example there's a seal that you know gave a perfect example of the story he asked for to take a knee for a deployment i think it was his going to be his fifth and loved to deploy he was a deploy guy he wanted to be a seal forever um, totally dedicated, but was going through a divorce, um, had small children, needed the rotation to sit out so that he could legally fight for his children yeah. and, and, you know, was punished for it essentially, you know, sat aside, you know, to the point where he was like, I just quit. I just got out. I didn't even want to get out, but why would I stay in this situation? And so they lost a seal. They lost a highly trained person. And then that unit also had a suicide, not too far down the road. So what was communicated to that group was, yeah, you can ask for a timeout. You can ask for a break when you really need it. We're going to punish you. And the message was clear, you know, who knows why the other, you know, sailor took his life, but it couldn't have been helpful that you see somebody else punished in your team for taking a knee. Well, there's just no need for it. And I think it comes no. back to if you're talking specifically, and I know we are here because of all secure foundation, for sure. We're talking SF people. So I've, very recently, since January, I think that's when I actually reached out to you after I went and did ayahuasca. And uh, for whatever reason, you and I clicked. And, um, you know, one thing I, I think it was our match. It's the drugs. <laughs> the drugs. God. I think it was You're our right. matching hats. It's, it's the hats. It's the hats and the fact that we wear the same things and we are the same person. And I'm actually blonde naturally. So it's terrifying <laughs> if you were to put us in the same room. We would merge into one. So, you know, I think when I met you guys, the something that we were kind of discussing <clears throat> was the special operations community and how you guys work with them hand in hand. And I remember distinctly being like, why just the SF community? And then I started to learn, holy fuck, you guys are on a, no, we've always known you're on a different level from a, 
you know, fitness standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, from an ability to be able to handle shit completely different than NCOs. That's, we knew that that's a given you wear beards, you, you fuck people up and you disappear. I know that that's fine. It's all right here. It's all, it's all in the beards. If you have the flow, it's like halfway to a seal. It's fine. <laughs> so, and if you've started your book before you've joined, you're great. You're good. You're on, you're on point. You're dialed. So the, you know what, met, yeah, that's right. Uh, I met with these, you know, you guys, and I started to meet with these SF people and I didn't realize, you know, the level of trauma you hold on to because of the quick rotation. But not only that, the, the time spent away is, is a different type of time spent away. It's a different type of operation. It's a different type of mindset that you have to switch on and off at a uh, rapid pace when we deployed six to nine months, Canada, six to nine months, you're JTF, you guys might do 12 and you might do off on, off on, off on. And so that to me kind of woke me up a little bit and made, it, made me start to think bigger in terms of that community. But then Jen, when you were hitting me with some like serious stats about what's going on, you know, within just the community itself, my head exploded. So, you know, I think there's value in you telling the listeners what you kind of told me and why you guys are focusing so heavily on this part of the community. You know, I, I kind of had the same response you did and I don't have a military background. I knew special operations, very little about special operations. Actually, when I met Tom, I didn't even know what Delta force was. They, when they, yeah, were, they don't it, exist. doing our jobs, <laughs> that's probably why we hooked up. You know, the other girls are like, eh, and I'm like, what, you know, who, what, who, I don't know. But like, have you seen Black Hawk down? I'm like, no, nope, literally my response exist. was like, don't talk about that fucking movie again <laughs> ever in my life. Because when that movie came out, all the guys at work played it all the time. So oh, it was like, I was triggered like, oh God. Yep. I know that movie. They're like, yeah, the guy. And I'm like, oh, so he's a seal. And they're like, don't say oh, that to him. Dare you? Don't say that to him. I'm like, why are seals badasses? So I, I didn't know. I had no clue. In fact, I think. Um, I worked alongside Tom for a few years and it was a total gift because I'm meeting all these green berets. They're total badasses. And, and honestly, to see them work as a civilian, it's phenomenal how well-trained, how thoughtful, how intelligent, how resilient, how strong um, there's no quit and it's complete professionalism. And to see these professional soldiers do what they do um, was very different in real life. I saw the face, I saw the fear, I saw, you know, 28 year old guys that look like they were 38 year old guys, you know, because the op tempo is so intense, they might go for four or five months at a time, but they're doing hits every single night, every single night. And, um, and even if you're in it, I, I left the unit and I went, oh, I was in the unit, but I was working at, with the, the Green Berets. Yeah. teaching them how to do CQB, right? In their little program. So I was still in the unit, but I'm working over here in one of their schools, helping them with CQB, close quarter battle, teaching them. And one day we got to take them over to the unit to use one of the targets on the compound. And part of that was we got to watch my old troop finish, you know, doing CQB and then leave before we started to do CQB. So I'm in the tower watching and I'm, and I forgot. I mean, I forgot how badass it was, right? Because I'm used to watching SF dudes and teach them. Of course they're new and, but they're, they're new at this, but they're still good and it's still right. impressive. And I saw a troop pummel through this, this string of buildings in like a minute. 
I was yeah, scared. Yeah. I was in a tower like, oh my God, someone's going to get hurt. Uh, and then they were done. I went, I forgot how fucking badass we were and how fast we were because Gross. we all just did our jobs and we're gone. And I thought, man, I need to teach these guys some more shit. You know, it was just, right. <laughs> you don't get that. The regular army doesn't get it. I mean, guys get mad. Oh, you're special. You're special. Listen, I'm no more special than anyone on the planet other than those who haven't gone to selection and made right. it. If you've gone and didn't make it, you know, I'm, 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 I made it and you didn't. Sorry, not my fault still. And if you didn't try, that's still your fault. So I'm right. not saying you're not any better than any of us. You just didn't go through selection and, and pass yet. If you want to, great. If not, no one's picking on you. But why do we help special operations? The 1% does 99% of the work over and over and over in smaller elements. Mm-hmm. And then when they're home, they're training over and over and over again. Yeah, they're home. They're not home. <laughs> oh, no. and, and the op tempo is just greater. It's just it's, it's, and the money doesn't change that you get a couple more dollars a month. It doesn't change how you, you know, how you feel. You, you lose families at a greater rate. You lose friends at a greater rate. However, the post-traumatic stress does affect everyone. Yeah. Like regular military. It doesn't matter. And a lot of we our just can't help everyone from that world. Right. No, right. I mean, it does. Our, you know, Tom was in that world when I started working in military world. It was special operations. So it's it's where he came from. It's the experience I had. And truly, you know, I would love to help everyone. In fact, we do. We've never turned a single person yeah. away. Well, Don't say that just out loud. Say. Uh, <laughs> People call us. We help them. I mean, you know, we get a Marine who's like, hey, I need help. We're like, we got you. You know, we have a law enforcement officer saying, I need help. We got you. You know, we understand that. Points. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's humans, so, humans right? And we're yeah. so similar. And, a you know. A friend of mine, sorry, not to interrupt. I'm no, 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 go. <laughs> he, no, no, I'm terrible human. Uh, he, uh, he, he used to work. He doesn't let me talk, like me talking about him, but he's like, I used to do this. And I was like, I know what that is. And he now says that he has minions. He has like, <laughs> these minions all over the place. And I'm like, don't call people minions. You're not running humans anymore. You don't need to like manage people. Like, no, they're my minions. I'm like, okay, that's horrible. <laughs> But anyway, that's but that's what I'm saying is you guys have this network and I think it's really unique and special because I, I don't want to advertise that you don't turn people down, but you don't, if you can't handle them, you'll find someone for them. And I think that's Absolutely. really important to highlight too. Absolutely. You know, our motto is no one left behind because we are a tribe and we are a community. And I think one of the things that has really hurt us in modern times is technology. I love it. But at the same time, we've all ended up doing this, you know, we'll go on date night. We leave our phones in the car. Now we don't even bring them into the restaurant um, because it's just this subconscious we'll fight. check and we'll look oh, around. I, ever, I, totally. I, I know I did say like the other day, Brady and I, he was literally sitting there and I think I was telling him something and he, I, he was looking at his phone but he's really good. At, he can legitimately compartmentalize. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it happen in like therapy with me where deep that intense conversation, staring at something else and being like, Dr. Passy going like, what are you staring at Brady? And being like, I'm just curious about, you have a little duck over there and half of it is silver and half of it's matte. So I was just curious about the finish, but seriously, da, 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 da. and I'm like, fuck yourself. So you're doing this. And I'm like, can you talk to me? And he's like, I'm listening to you perfectly fine. I'm like, but when I see this image, yes. I can't stand it. It infuriates me. And you, but will you do it? Like, I'm Why like, not? can you put your phone down? Can you put your phone on? She put her phone down. She'll look up and be like this. And I'm like, I- she goes, but uh, and I go, well, you were on yours. <laughs> and there we go. Right. There we go. And then it's- 
fuck. Yes. And it's broken up that, I think it's broken up that mm-hmm. tribal element to a degree. I mean, this has been happening for a while. I'm not saying, oh my God, the iPhone and whatever, Max killed us. But I'm saying over time, we've become less and less. Even when you look in America, we used to all have front porches and people would sit out on their stoops and their porches. Now we all have backyards with privacy fences. Right. So it's in every area. But what's what's really hurting Um, And especially in special operations, you hear this language all the time of us versus them, us versus them. And so civilians, you know, and language for civilians. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to tell the guys, like, keep in mind, your wife and your children are also civilians. And this language that you have is not helping you at home. And you will be too one day. And you will be. And your parents. Yes. But that divisiveness, I think, is even more intense in special operations. There's more schools, there's more training, and we have just seen the home life crumble. It really has. 90% divorce rate in special operations. And you hear hear a lot of about spouses, I didn't feel good enough. Yeah, constantly. And and the the service members saying... Honestly? (laughs) Yeah, um, I I was a little cocky. I I did have the world at my fingertips, and yeah, you did... You were in the way. You were that person who didn't get your shit together when I needed. You know what I mean? So it's the resentment turns towards the household at times because kids can't get their shit together quick enough, right? So right. we hear from everybody, and I lived it. You know, why are the dishes in the sink? Why is it why? Well, because well, they're kids. You know, the answer is because they're kids and they're stupid. But yeah, <laughs> they're just dumb. Little what drives little you crazy is why can't you do it? Why? Can't, I mean, when you live and die by this person mm-hmm. doing what you know they need to do. And this person you left, they're going to do what they need to do. So I don't have to ever worry about it. So I say something one time. Come on, say something about the dishes one time, right? <laughs> you got to say yeah. it a thousand times a day. And then the next day starts over again. And you're like, we hear it from, from the guys. I I would rather go to war. I'd rather be deployed. You know, oh, I have a little more respect for my spouse in raising children, especially if I had to babysit my own kids. You know, and tell guys, <laughs> you're not babysitting. It's your own kids. It's parenting. I know. I hear that all the time. People yes. Like, even they're not even like military people. Like I'm. I don't often hear military people, but I have a friend of mine who says that about his own kids, and I'm like, if you didn't want that many fucking kids, you shouldn't have had that many fucking kids. I told you, one and done. You didn't listen. That's your fault. You're not babysitting. You made those things. Yes. Yes. Oh. You are the creator. You are to blame for everything. Exactly. But I get that though, because I can, I can identify with that. I was not near as cool as you, uh, but I can pretty cool. And so I, I've noticed that now, even though my son's five, I've noticed that there are times, even though I've been out as long as I've been out and I go through the same thing. It's like, why couldn't you have just done that? Why couldn't you have done that? He's like, Chelsea, he's fucking five. Like yeah, five. He's like, like, I don't right. know why I didn't do it. I just, I don't know. I didn't do it because, right. because is because. a good answer. Oh, because. God, I hate it. Oh, it yeah. Expecting, me, expecting little warriors at, at the age of five to do the things that they weren't even taught yet. You know, so uh, it's awareness for us is, yeah, is to, is to raise the level of, of awareness, self-awareness, number one. For the, for the guys and gals who think they know everything because they've been taught everything, and then, but they won't go home because they weren't taught how to be at home. I'm not taught how to raise kids. I'm not taught how to be a, you know, a good father, a good husband, um, it, though I've had some practice at it, still, we're, we're still failing in. along the way, you know? Yeah. But all it, all it takes is a little bit of practice. 
a little couple right. of tools, you know, here's some tools on how to talk to your spouse who, by the way, you hate after 20 years of marriage because you haven't talked to her in 20 years. Right. Yeah. Things like and that. Hold, I'd actually like her. Resentment. Yeah, you might have so much resentment. Always and, resentment. You know, she does this and she's like, he does this. I'm like, did y'all tell each other that shit? Do you get in the same damn room and talk it out or do you just have it out and separate and then come back and and, and then not argue? Yeah. Some people told us um, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. The, but the only reason we didn't get That's divorced right. was we didn't want divorced at the same time. Neither of us wanted to get divorced at the same time. I've heard that story. That's uh right? yeah, that's yeah. um oh Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman. Somebody asked Paul Newman the secret of why, you know, you guys are Hollywood married for 60 something years. What's the secret of your marriage? She said neither of us wanted to get divorced at the same time. Which was why hilarious. even Mary is Paul that? Newman. Like what why would I don't I didn't know that that was okay. I didn't know that was like a thing. I thought that like, if one gets divorced, what says I want a divorce? Like, isn't that like, you just have to, I don't understand. What? <laughs> it's that whole, you don't know, you're so to. angry and I want a divorce, but the other person kind of, well, you know, we love each other. Let's work through it. Okay. And then they calm down. And then the other person's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Get out. And they're like, well, you know, but I love you and I'll get better. All right. You know, it's back and forth that belief of, all right, they'll get better. Yeah. What every relationship every instead relationship. of, instead of making a plan when they're not fighting. Right. We, we tell people make a plan when you're not fighting, make rules well, when you're right. not fighting. Cause trying to make rules while fighting doesn't work out. Well, don't wait. Why wait? It's, it goes back to the, yep. it goes back to this idea of looking after yourself and preparing yourself and giving yourself the tools to do things. And if we're going to do that for our weapons, why aren't we doing it for our people? And so it, it's this whole circle of like, it's, it's really not that fucking difficult, but it comes from the top. You can't, the thing with guys I found that I served with, and I'm sure you, what you, because I wanted to assume you had a younger subset of people. I mean, what was the youngest how old were you when you, when Black Hawk Down happened? 26. 25 or 26, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you, and you were, and that was your first like big, like that was your first hit, right? Your yeah. first time out kind of deal. Yeah. yeah fucking. Wow. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Welcome to the unit. Yeah. Yeah. This is your welcome package. We only offer these once in a while. And when we do offer them, we really offer them. They really go um, all out. Yeah, we yeah. give you all of all of the trimmings. Um, you get the you get the full experience. You get the exfoliation. You get the whole package. Um, yes. So yeah, the brain exfoliation. Um, you get all of it. So when that happened, if you're around 25, 26, were there any younger individuals with you, or was that like the baseline for the people you were with at that time? You know, um, I was probably youngest? one of the youngest because I went young. People typically go after like a couple of a stint in the Rangers or an SF. I was basically regular army, went to the school for special forces and then went straight in. So I had been in the military. You're a little pup. For I was on my fifth year in the army and I was in I was in the unit just heading towards the unit. So I was pretty young. That's about the young age. I'd say 23 is the youngest you can be. And I got there at 23 and two years later I was in Somalia. So. It's a baby. Yeah. There might have been a person my age or, you know, around that they age. They were anyway, sending but... you into the street because oh, you were yeah. the youngest guy. <laughs> I was the youngest guy that wasn't injured. So, uh, hey, I'm the okay. third up on the team because we had two new guys join us right before we, you know, we go. Oh, and one was on another helicopter. Um, 
And one got injured. So I'm the, I'm the lowest ranking dude now. Hey, go get that ammo. Go get that. Go get that. I'm like, sure. I'll go back out there. I mean, it's what you do, right? You just kind of, you, you, you yeah. know, your pecking order and you go do it. What am I going to say? No, right. yeah, <laughs> I don't think I want to go out there. Not today. I'm not really. Time out. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody time tell out. you that they're shooting at us? If I go out there, I could get hit. So I don't think I want to yeah, go out. Like, mm, not today. I just am really not feeling the bullets today. I don't want to deal. <laughs> um, because no, the reason I asked that is because it, uh, if you say that you were in, you know, before I'm trying to explain it so that the listeners can kind of grasp where the failures happen here, mm. because you were in the service for five years prior, like up before even becoming Delta or on your way to Delta, um, right? I had a four-year enlistment that I was going to get in and get out. I had spent three in Germany. On my fourth year, I went to jump school, SFAS, and started. I already already enlisted already, but I, and I started the Q course. So by my, and at the end of the Q course, which was a year six months, so about a year long total with language school. Mm-hmm. A year later, I'm already heading to Delta. So in my at my fifth year. Okay, because because I'm we, this is where I think the failure starts is at the very beginning. So this is what I'm trying to get across to people is that you don't have to be uh, a long ways in to prevent these things from happening. Like there's there's a, a lot of like stop points along the way where you have opportunity for courses and things like that. Fuck's sakes, even basic training. Why isn't there some course? I mean, right. I remember sitting there and and they were teaching us history about the military in a classroom. People were falling asleep. So they used to make us put water in your mouth and stand up and hope that you're waiting to fall asleep and hit your face. Cause if the water can, oh yeah, the, the whole fucking thing. So like, <laughs> you're going to make us learn all this shit. Like I totally agree with learning it, but why can't you just add one or two more classes about signs and symptoms and then preventative measures like meditation and breathing, or just like small things. You teach us how to breathe when you shoot a gun, teach us how to reload when you're using like a long rifle. So I don't understand the concept. Like you put a fucking tack at the end of my barrel, tell me to shoot. Like you're going to teach me things that like are like that, that are going to save my life. I mean, I just trying to explain to the listener. So they grasp that there's been systemic failure from the very beginning, whether it's the fucking day you swear into the military and you even know what you're getting yourself into and what they're willing to even tell you what you're going to do to basic training. There's another opportunity. Every course that you hit, Tom, there was an opportunity for this to be fixed, you know, looked at and educated on, and it just never was. And I think it's important to highlight that. So that's kind of where I was going with the age thing is like you started young, you could have had plenty of opportunity before you got in the shit and, you know, Mokadushu, Mok, Just say it so I don't have to. Mogadishu. Thank you. <laughs> you had it. I knew what you meant. Mogadishu. I, I, I fucked up Brett's name. Like, we're not, I'm not on the ball with the language today, and I don't care about it. So it's fine. Um, it just is what it is, team. I got up early for this. So I, I think it's important to acknowledge that because if I wonder, and I know that you can't maybe you obviously can't give me the answer to this, but I pose a question. Do you think if there was some type of, or any type of training along the way that the result going in would have been different how you handled it coming out? Yes, coming out for sure. Any tool that you get, you'll use when you need it, right? Whether yeah. if you never need it again, great, right? But if you have that tool, and, and if I would have had that tool and needed it, you know, the one, one thing we got from the shrink before we left Samoy was, God, hey, so God. military, the shrink. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> shrink. Hey, it was, hey, guys, when you go home to the group, when you go home, you may or may not experience um, 
let's say a breakdown, some sort of, uh, you might even cry. And I was like, shut up, doctor. But hey, get out of here. I literally got home, took the bus ride from wherever we landed back to work, got picked up at work, didn't say a word all the way in the car, got home, got, and I remember walking into the kitchen, hadn't said a word. And my wife looked at me and said, so how was it? <laughs> how do you answer that question? Um, and I, and I looked at her and I thought for a second and I started bawling, started bawling. I thought there it fucking is. There it is. There's what that doc was talking about. And I remember telling one friend about it who I think, um, mentioned that he might've had a similar experience and then tucked it away and never spoke of it again. And that was, not that was the day Clayton. we got back. Yeah. Not until Clayton, when met her and we were dating and she sitting out on a street corner, you know, in downtown Clayton, Missouri. So where you would find out Somalia. And I'm like, ah, here we go again. I started bawling again. Couldn't get a word out. It was, uh, you know, you can't tuck it away. It's always there. It actually was really kind of beautiful to see, honestly, because, you know, I, I come from a world where emotions are okay. I was in the creative <laughs> arts, you know, like I lived in an emotional space my whole career is pretty comfortable with it. So, you know, as I asked him, I said, is it okay? Do you ever talk about Somalia or, you know, I probably said Black Hawk Down or something at that time. And yeah, I don't care, you know, and I just, and I think I said, okay. yeah, doesn't bother me any, you know? Oh, okay. And so I asked a question or two and then I could see his face start to well up. And I was like, go, just go. And like, cry, it's all right. And, you know, and he did. And I just put my hand on his and just sat there with it. It wasn't like I hated a, her, hated every second of it. I want to punch <laughs> her in her face. You know, I was okay. probably dead. It's like, how dare you do this to me? You know? Right. Yeah. She had the effect on you and you didn't expect it. And that often happens when you're least expect it. It's not always who you think True. is going to be able to help you. It could be the fucking person in the goddamn corner. Cause I mean, Jen hangs out on those. So you better watch yeah, out because she will sneak attack you with her emotional wizardry and uh, <clears throat> she'll make you cry. <clears throat> no, she will. She's totally that person. But I can tell you right now, if the listeners are just listening, if you go back and watch this, Tom, I watch, I I'm a, I'm a big fan of watching people's behaviors. And I got to tell you when, when she talks about that, like when, what I just witnessed, like just with you and like your mannerisms and the way you look at her when she talks about that, like she, you're his saving grace. And I think he fucking knows it full well. And I know you talk about it, but like, I got to tell you, like it, it translates, it's palpable and it's, it's visible on, in, in, in a lot of ways. And I think that's so beautiful to acknowledge uh, because Tom, I hate, like, I hate to be the one to like let you know that you're not like this like big tough guy like you're <laughs> you're pretty soft here buddy and I um, cry all the time now you're, and you fucking should and I gotta tell you you know how much how big your balls have to be to be from where you are to to be the way you are now and I give you shit out of respect because I respect the human that you are and the level of person you are. But in all reality, it takes serious, serious emotions to get through this. It takes, it takes the balls. It takes the time and you're willing to be that person and it's visible. And I think that's, what's so great about you guys is there's no, 
the way that you talk to each other and the way that you form all secure and, 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 and how you have everything set up is so genuine and authentic. It's insane. Yeah. It's what we do. Yeah. It's what we love. I mean, honestly, and we share like, when we fight too. I mean, we, everybody's <laughs> like, Oh, you guys are so amazing. I wish I had you. I'm like, no, you don't, man. It's fucking very tumultuous. <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking hurricane a with tornadoes in it. So like we tell you, we started out of divorce, so it's been getting better ever since. You know, our our, our wedding night, yeah. divorce slash divorce night was was horrible. Um, but we stuck it out, and instead of just sticking it, a lot of people stick it out, right? You can right. stick everything out, but do you stick it out and do work and 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 admit things that are shameful and embarrassing over and over again? When I do something horrible to her or say something horrible to her, the shame is so great because of what I know that she saved my life. She saved who I am as a person and she truly cares. So when I lash out and I don't know why, and I don't know who I am, when that goes away, it's horrible. And she's still there, you know? And that takes a lot of work. It does take a lot of work. And I think that's another thing people kind of forget is that this isn't something that happens overnight. And this is not something that happens by just doing self-talk and some meditation. This takes serious work, effort, time, and you have to want it. You got to want it because if you don't, you're not going to go put yourself through all of the pain and hurt and just the tears and the crying that brings out the anger that you don't know why you're being the way you're being. Like you just... It's a side of yourself that I, I, again, I resonate with you, Tom. Like it, when I hear you say those things, it's like, when I say horrible things to someone and I'm like, I don't know why I'm saying these things, but yet they're still right. coming out of my mouth. Like you fucking hate yourself for real reason. time, real time. Don't fucking say it. And your brain's going, oh, if you don't get on top of this shit and dominate, you're going to lose. Yep. And my, my brain's going, you're not losing anything. You'll lose if you dominate. And I dominate out of muscle memory. You know, and it's, I can't, I can't express it enough. The people, the warriors that are shy with their emotions, the warriors that, well, I don't need this shit. They're afraid. I get it. You're afraid to let it go because you, you won't have control. Mm -hmm. Divorce is easy. Walking away is easy. Quitting's easy. Fucking pull your fucking pants up like you always have and fucking put in the work. If you don't put in the work, it's not worth it anyway. If you walk away from it, you'll regret it. You put in all those years. And you're going to walk away because why? You don't want to admit you might need to work on something. You might, it might be you. You might be the asshole that comes home every night, you know? You know, after three divorces, I'm like, wow, I'm the only guy that's always there. I'm the only guy that's always there when shit goes wrong. Shit, it might be me. Right. You know, so that awareness is key to an admittance. Well, even with you and I, and I think you and I have talked so many times about really feeling that we were intentional for each other, that you know, work, we talk about work, work, work. I can hear like a collective sigh and eye roll already, right? Because for a lot of people who are in a bad place, the last thing they want to hear is great, more work. Like I already feel like I have to work with him or her all the time. And now you're telling me I have to put more work in and it is more work, but we always talk about when was the last time you guys just played together? When was the last right. time you just had fun and did stupid shit and make you, he makes me laugh more than any person on the planet. And honestly, I laugh all day when I'm around him and I will tell him. And there's times even last night I said, I don't know if I've told you in a while how amazing of a husband you are. And you're such a good husband. 
And I'm so grateful for you and, and everything you do for us and the family. And I just don't think we do that enough. It's so easy to look for the negative. And when you start looking for it, you'll find it and you'll find it in everything the person does. You'll be annoyed constantly. And, but when you start telling yourself, I have to practice positivity, like I have to practice it. I have to look for it. I have to seek it out. And then when I find it, I have to acknowledge it. So that becomes my new muscle memory. And it's, it isn't easy. It is work. But when you get to the other side of it, I mean, we've had a great last couple of days where we're like, all right, we we've had two deep. days of greatness, two days of greatness. <laughs> hey, Moments two days in is better. It's better than no greatness at all. Right. Yes, exactly. It doesn't exactly. have to take much. It doesn't. And that's, no. what, that's what people understand is that things take work. And like you said, you don't want your marriage to always be work because then people go like, well, then yeah. am I with the wrong person? It's like, well, no, not necessarily. Like, let's, let's go back to like why you, it's very hard for people to go backwards and look at stuff like this because they're so clouded by the, by the current, but it's like, let's go back and figure out why you loved each other. What, what was yes. it? Because this didn't just happen. You don't right. just get to be like 13, 15, 20 years into a marriage and go, oh, yeah, I hate that person. <laughs> Time <laughs> to go. I'm out. Like if there's a there is a gradual thing that happens here. And I like that you guys look at it from n- not only individual individual work, because I think there's accountability. And like you said, you gotta be willing to admit faults and that hey, maybe I am the problem. It's like, okay, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it shit happens. So it's like that's fine, and you can be the problem, but once you know you're the problem. And you don't take accountability for your actions, then you're just being an asshole. So there's this, this thing that you guys do with all secure. And it's, I believe I just saw, if I'm not wrong, was it, you did a retreat? Your, was it, you started to do retreats. Can you guys talk and explain what you do there and how people can even find that? I love our retreats. I love, yes, our, I retreats. love our retreats. I get excited. Transformative about to watch people oh my come God. in. You know, guys come in. I listen to my favorite story. I tell it. <laughs> And then I'm she'll telling. tell you about our retreats. But last <laughs> retreat, uh, two retreats it's, ago. Well, actually, this sums up the retreat. Little SF guy comes in with his spouse. You know, our first night's like a, a welcome dinner. It's, you know, come on in, have some drinks and just mingle. And we talk a hair, but we just kind of watch everybody, right? And our, our right. therapist. Don't give is, away too many seats. Our therapist is watching everybody. So the <laughs> next day we know what's up, right? And we, we have games, we eat dinner and stuff. One guy's like drinking. You know, he looked like the angry garden gnome. Like a travelocity. He's like, he Travel- like angry travelocity. travelocity. He's a big guy, beard, like just drinking a beer and wife standing next to him. Two days later, they did not look happy. Two days later, his face had changed. It was a completely different person. I go, Did you shave your beard? Everybody's like, Dude, your face has even changed. He opened up, him and his wife opened up, and man, they had figured yeah. out so much in, in an hour that. The next day, man, uh, he's a complete and utter different human being. He had felt guilt and shame. And he he, first time in I don't know how many years he didn't feel shame and guilt. His wife said it was the third time he's cried in 15 years they've been together. He did it in a room full of other door kickers, you know, which to me, honestly, when these guys come in and do the work, it's braver to me than some of the stuff I saw them do on the other side of the fence because they're Tom's trained to do that. He knows, and I'm not saying that he's not courageous and brave, 
for his career because I would know at best Tom yeah (laughs) yes I wouldn't I can't praise him enough and honestly he he is a phenomenal soldier um one of the best was was I mean I'm sure you could still fuck some shit up Tom like he could I might get hurt in the process You're gonna pop a knee, yeah, your back or your fucking hip or something old. Break a hip and be up in an old folks' home trying to fucking kick ass. Jen would leave your ass. I'll get those. Leave your ass. Yeah, we'll have like a. We'll have a handler. Oh my god. Yes, you would need one. Yes, it won't be me. I'll I'll come for a visit. I've done enough, honey. Your time now, sweetie. Yes. Give me a bedpan. Right? Oh my God. <sighs> but these, so yes, these guys and gals that come in are extremely courageous. And we know they're extremely <clears throat> courageous and have done really remarkable things in their careers, um, along with the spouses that are coming into the room who are also remarkable human beings that I have a lot of love and respect for, who have also given their time and service um, to the people of the world too. And I always talk about it. I'm like, we'll talk about the American soldier. I'm like, these are world soldiers. You guys are all world soldiers. You guys all work together. You fought together. Yes. It's not like the American, the Canadians, the British, you know, like Tom had friends from all of them. And, and truly when I talk about, I'm like with Mogadishu, not to totally digress from the retreat, but with Mogadishu, I was like, have you ever thought about how many lives you saved? How many Somalian lives you saved? And he's like, I've thought about how many I've taken. And no, I'm like, no, I know I got that part. But what I'm telling you is they were starving 300,000 people. This was a humanitarian effort that took place with several countries involved to stop somebody who was a warlord, who was killing innocent people by the thousands if you hadn't gone over and done your job and stopped him that day, how many thousands of people would not be here because of you guys. And so it really is a global community of soldiers. You know, it's a global community of airmen and and sailors and fighting the bad guys of the world. And, you know, I think there's a comfort and a discomfort in that, of course. But my point is these guys get into the room. They fought all over the world together, highly trained. And then they get in this room and they have no idea what's (laughs) happening because it's, very uncomfortable. It's very unfamiliar at first. And, but the example he gave of this guy who sat in the middle of the room was brave enough to unpack a situation with his wife in front of everyone. We have 10 couples. Um, and then we have a trauma marriage therapist and expert who is facilitating Tom and I are also there kind of sharing our stories and experiences and sometimes translating for the therapist, right? Like guys, what she's saying is this, you know, uh, it sounds a little woo woo here, but like this and they're like oh okay oh, okay yeah because mom can guy, translate into like special operations speak yes, and can translate exactly. Into exactly. Speech. i see you guys listening and almost getting it i'm like put it like this you know here's yes. secondary post yes. stress you come home as an asshole every day she has to change who she is to deal with asshole every day so she becomes someone different secondary post-traumatic stress i like understand it oh. Oh. we used to do like here I would have my little clicker and like, this is biology of PTSD. And then I realized people don't give a shit about that. They could go read the body keeps the score, which yeah. is a great book. And we encourage people do your research, do your homework. This is a four day weekend with us. We can't save your marriage in four days, but we can turn the light switch on. We could give you tools to help you start that process. 
And so this guy who breaks down in the middle of the room in front of nine other couples talks about the, you know, his outburst, right? So they're working through anger, which is the number one reason why people come to us is I'm angry at home all the time. How am I not angry? So, you know, for him, it's like the story and every guy in the room is going, you know, I'm trying to get out the door and the kids are going here and the dogs are going here and the wife is doing this. And as he's telling that story, all the guys are like this. And then she's telling her part. Yeah. But I just had this expectation. You just got home from a deployment. I want us all to be together. And all the girls in the room are going <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, often we have female soldiers in the room too. I'm not trying to be sexist here. So the vast yeah. majority is guys, gals in, in our yeah. world. Yeah. And so um, what it does is I looked around the room, every single person, unit members, Green Beret, Rangers, they're all in the room and they're all tears coming down their face. All the wives have tears coming down their faces or I'm, you know, handing out Kleenexes. I have tears coming down my face. And what they realize in this really short time is they're not alone. Their struggles actually are common, right? Because then we'll do another exercise. You know, we had a spouse get up talking about, I feel really insecure around you. You've had all these amazing schools. You've had all of this amazing experience around the world. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't feel like I match up to you. And you treat me like I don't. And he's like, you're right. I have. For 15 years, I've treated you as a subservient member mm-hmm. in my life. And then you hear this, you know, the, the, the ahas, the nodding, the tears. And really, when they leave us on Saturday night, like Tom said, I get emotional thinking about it because when people come in Thursday, guarded, shoulders hunched over, quiet. And when they leave us, I have a picture. It's one of two of my favorite. One is of that guy. He's in the little golf cart. We do a tour and his face is beaming. His wife's got her hand out. She's like, Hey, and another one was a spouse who came in, wanted to leave the next morning because it was too intense. She worked through it. And I have a picture of her on that golf cart, both arms up in the air through the waterfall, like with a giant smile on her face. And she said, I realized I thought all this time I was alone. I was the only spouse that felt this way. I didn't know you guys all felt this way and had the same struggles too. So that's a big part of what we do. Awareness tribe. And, and you give that. And so that's another thing. So when you guys do these events, you uh, events, you do these uh, weekends Mm -hmm. away and you do these groups together. Do they all stay in contact afterwards? Have you just, do you keep that kind of like base? Some do. Yeah. Some our first one was in 19 and we have um, like a little private Facebook group for each of the people and they're still communicating and talking. Some people will make great friends. But I think the thing that's a little bit different about us too, is we really emphasize that this is a couple's retreat. So, you know, we've yeah. busted mm-hmm. up groups of ranger dudes that are all, hey, you know, at boys, the bar. Come see me at the like, bar. I'm like, mm, uh-uh. you and your wives, you know, where are your wives? This is work. That's they're in the younger. room. We're like, then you need to go to your room. Like this is not bro time. This is not all you guys get together and all the wives get together. This is couples time. And so we really work on the couple versus group dynamics. So it's a little different in that way too. I think that's important to acknowledge because there are these um, people, a lot of charities, a lot of, um, I guess, foundations that are trying to do similar-esque work. They, you know, they have this, they do these retreats, they do these things, but you see, you know, you see this almost every time when you put a bunch of people who have served in real combat together, it's like magnets. They just, 
It just happens without it happening. It's not always intentional. It can be for reasons of avoidance and yeah. it, it, it's not, it's not hard to see how it happens. Like I can totally understand that that happens. And I think there's a time and a place for that and possibly, a, you know, a group setting on its own for that to really open up about the things that they maybe feel more shame about either deployment wise that they never told their wife or never really are at the point where they feel comfortable to tell their wives. So I think there's use in both, but I like that you guys acknowledge the importance of when you're on this retreat, the the intense work it's with your wife or your partner. Like it's not with these people. You can do that at another right. time. We, that's a different thing for a different time. Yeah. This is important totally. to acknowledge this. And these guys, cause I, the reason I want to do the follow-up of like, do you guys, do they still talk? Do they do those things? Is it creates a separate community that can be almost like, uh, what, what are those groups called Jen? Um, when you have a mommy groups, mommy oh, groups. Yeah. I was never in those, but Neither were. <laughs> right. I had a feeling you weren't either. <laughs> no judgment. Just, you no, know. no, there's no judgment, but I do have friends of mine, like no judgment here. A friends of mine, his, uh, her husband is uh, British uh, Royal Marine. And mm. we found out years after our operation that we actually were on the operation together. And oh my gosh. Was, yeah. And he's from here. Anyway, I've had him on the show and we talk about this all the time because he's pretty switched on. He's a firefighter now. He does his thing. So he's still kind of running people and being that guy. And, and we talk about this all of the time. And she's like, she does these mommy groups and she always invites me. And I love her to death for it. I love her to death for it. She's the sweetest human, but I'm like, you know me. Why? <laughs> you know me through your husband. Your husband and I are we're the same, but just like a vagina and a feet. Like, you know, we're the same person. Don't invite me to mommy groups. And so <laughs> I don't get along. But I think it's so good that you create that community outside of just the retreat because it's one thing to do the retreat. Like, it was like yeah. when I spoke to you about ayahuasca, it's one right. to go sit in ceremony and be in that group of people. Great. It's the integration afterwards and how you choose to implement the work you've done at that time, because at that time it feels great. You're with everyone. Yes. You feel safe. You feel like you have yep. these people, but you, you need to reintegrate that into your life after and do it in a way that it's actually going to have meaningful change, not just a weekend away. Right. We talk yeah. about that exact thing. I, I think I end it with, listen, it feels really good right now. Right. Everybody's kind of on this high because people have broken through that wall that they've held onto that armor, that is really important. And, and we're also saying, we're not telling you to, to get rid of it. We're just telling you to put it down for a minute. It's okay. Like every part of you is valuable. Every part of you matters. Um, what we're saying is in this time, we want you to focus on each other, rekindling. I mean, we'll talk about it, flirt, you know, get out there. And we will have couples at the end say, I haven't spent a weekend alone with my spouse in 10 years. And, or, Hey, I thought I was coming on like another retreat where it was going to be, we sat through a two hour presentation and then we had free time. One guy was even like, where's the sign in sheet? I was like, there's no, <laughs> you're, not, you're, really, you're not, yeah, you're not going anywhere. I was like, dude. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is he was the guy that was like real angry at first that he actually had to stay in sessions all weekend. Mm -hmm. But at the end was the guy that's like, I'm telling this dude, I'm telling my commander, I'm telling this leader, you know, how do I get more people through here? Um, because it does it at the end, you feel great. You feel good. You've gotten stuff. You've yeah. unloaded some of that shit that you've been carrying. Your spouse has unloaded some stuff. Hopefully there's been a little rekindle. 
and it feels good, but we talk about that. Okay. Now what are you going to do? What do you do after? How do you continue? We offer Stacy, who's a therapist. She can continue working with these couples after. So yeah, we've scratched those wounds open. The scars are fresh. We don't want to just send you home. Like right. here you go. Good luck. Start fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't but talk you about this, this retreat <laughs> yes. yeah. until yeah. you're back with Stacy. So yeah. um, continued yeah. care is really important. And we also talk about, you know, Tom and I have been on this road for eight years, eight, yeah. not we went through a weekend or we did some therapy. It's we've done a lot of treatments. We've done a lot of therapies. We've I'm done a, a lot I'm of a slow learner. So <laughs> it takes nine. eight years. It takes eight full years. Okay. We listen, we do these things in life where you just find someone and then who just is like a tiny little debilitated bear. And then we just bring yes. them in and we just slowly work on the debilitated bear. And it's fine. I was an angry little pocket person. My husband just took me and just sat me down and was like, it's fine. you can just be a little angry pocket person. Wants to stab everybody. That's fine. But we'll work on it. Take our time with it. When you're a horrible person, I'll just pretend it doesn't happen. And we'll just keep on keeping on. Because in, in there is a good person. Everybody starts off as a good person. And that's not to say that we're not. We're just different type of people who have seen some different types of things and done some horrific things just because TV chooses to glorify those and movies mm. do. It doesn't mean that they don't have a real life effect on those that are involved. <laughs> oh, and, shit. Yeah, it's, I mean, who thought killing people would really <laughs> swing that? I looks mean, easy. It looks easy. <laughs> she looks fun and easy on TV. It, yeah, shit is easy. You pull the trigger, watch it go boom. But then once you pull that trigger, you don't understand what you've just right. done. Your brain movie doesn't end you. for you. No, exactly. The movie does not end for you. And, you know, I had a, I had an individual recently reach out to me um, with somebody I very much respect and hadn't spoken with in a decade. And I won't say who it is, but he did tell me, you know, hey, you know, after all that happened, I was on the phone with you and I lied to you. You know, this, this situation actually happened to me and I actually can relate a little bit more. I just didn't, I've never talked to anybody about it. This is like a grown man who was like a staff member of mine who had to, he's, you know, he's gone again, but he is one of the, one of the people I respect most in the world. And he just like out of the blue could have just left it. I wouldn't have known the difference. I would have just been like, okay, cool. He gets it. He gets it to whatever extent he can. But then when he took the time to come back to me and be like, Hey, I actually lied. This actually happened. I actually have done this. And I have a really hard time with it. I've never really talked about it. Like that to me is crazy because we are starting because of the things that you two are doing and the veteran community is starting to realize that it, actually is beneficial to talk like yeah. with words uh about feelings yeah those, <laughs> we're all those growing things, up i know we're all like becoming grown adults in our 30s 40s 50s and 60s instead of waiting till we're 90 and then talking <laughs> about the war and going someone going you were in the war and you go oh you should see the shit i did when i was a kid like <laughs> at least we're not waiting until that point anymore and i'm hopeful 
I really am that the more people you guys get to speak with and the more bases you go to and more leadership you have these conversations with, you can translate that message and you can make that a priority. And I know you guys have been doing that. When I spoke to you, you were off talking to Colonel this and doing that and this and that here and there. And it was insane because I didn't realize the, to the level of like your little tentacles that were reaching out and doing that type of work. And you and I have talked about this and I kind of want to, you guys can tell me where the line is here, but I know the work you do takes a personal toll. Yeah, it sure does. Doesn't it? We're talking about that this weekend. Honestly, um, yeah, it, it can be a lot to, you know, Tom and I put all of our dirty laundry out there. And, and honestly, when I wrote Arsenal of Hope, I, I didn't sleep very much for about four months. She still doesn't. This book here. That book, that one there, that, that little demon book. I have the cry book, by the way, when people are like, I saw somebody reading your book. She was crying. I'm like, I know. Or somebody's like, Hey, I picked up your book. I'm going to read it on vacation. I'm like, don't do that. It's not that book. It's not that kind of book. It's not that kind We're of book for the beach. Yeah. You'll, like, end, up, you'll end up in an argument with yep. your spouse. And I'm like, well, you should read that before you go on vacation or after. A friend of mine hit her up and said, I saw somebody reading your book in the airport. Oh, my God. She's like, oh, my God, in the airport like around the world out. somewhere. Oh, my God. He goes, they were bawling. And she's like, what the hell shit? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm he goes, I was going to take a picture and send it to you, but she was bawling. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I've got that book. I understand. You should have like a hashtag of like the arsenal of hope hashtag cry. And it should just be pictures of people all over the world that are sitting, reading your book and just shots of them cry. <laughs> have like a whole wall of, because that, that tells you. And that it's you've these reached. dudes too. Your friends like. I had a guy secretly. hit me up uh, two days ago. Um, oh. I actually posted it. He posed, made a post about I'm reading arsenal of hope. You know, and you don't know what's going to come next, but what came out of him was, and it's sad <laughs> to read the shameful things I've done about, I mean, he put that into his life, but he knows. Wow. I'm thinking all of us, brother, all of us, man. Uh, he had a friend of his say, Hey, I uh, woke up in the morning and saw your book sitting on the table. My wife ordered it. I about shit myself and hit it <laughs> like that book. Cause he had read it first and he was like, Oh shit. But, you know, and I'm like, I'm sorry that this book has this effect. Um, the truth. The truth. It's weird. But he said, you know, for him, he's like, I had an affair. You talk about affairs and infidelity. And I thought, God, this is going to kick it back up. And he goes, sure enough. She reads it. It's like, I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, we sat down and talked about it really for the first time in a long time. And we feel so much better. Like it's cleared the air. It was something I was like holding on to and hiding. She was holding on to hiding. And we didn't know that actually, if we just talked about it, it wasn't really that big of a deal. So hopefully it's creating conversations as well. But when we, when you put yourself out there in that way, and you talk about affairs, you talk about violence in the home, you talk about, you know, the fighting and, and all the stuff that comes along with it on my end too, you know, how my trauma showed up in my reckless behavior and things that I was doing I didn't realize I was bringing into the relationship too. It's way easier to point to this guy and be like, he's super fucked it's up. Easy. Like, this guy's so fucked up. Problem. He does everything. All his fault. He does it all and it, it usually was. It typically is all my fault, but. That's yeah, okay. but it, you know, 
we get on stage, we talk about our story. We go and talk to generals or command or leadership. We're sharing our story. So there's times where we're like, we need a break from ourselves. Like we just need to take a pause from our story. And it gets heavy. And then you start projecting with each other, other people's Mm -hmm. weight. And then you realize it, but you're arguing about it. And, but you realize you're, you're tired and you're worn out and you're emotionally affected. I get emotionally affected when even other people's stories, even sometimes yeah, guys like, oh, sure. I'm doing this, this, this. I'm like, dude, I just want to tell you to shut the fuck up right? and quit being an asshole. That's the easiest answer for me for you is you're just a dick and you don't right. want to admit it yet. And when you admit it, you'll start getting better, but pause, all right, bro, here's the deal. And then you got to go yeah. start it all over again. It's almost, it wears you down. Like here I go, another person starting from scratch, you know, get him up here. And the next guy, another person starting yeah. from scratch. I'm like, man, can I get you on a room? And do this at once, you know, that's the best. Which is way what we're trying to do. Yeah, it seems like so that's it, gonna it be does. the most efficient way for you guys. This this individual, it's nice that you have the people reaching out to you on an individual level, like privately being like, Hey, I need help. That's great, and that's everything. But for a longevity standpoint for your career, for both of you and what you're doing, there I feel like not only boundaries, but also looking at the bigger picture and how do we scale this so that you guys can have healing yourselves. Cause like you said, Tom, like it gets heavy and (laughs) whether you like it or not, like you go on podcasts, you guys go do these things. You guys go talk to these people and have these seminars that weight stays with you. You don't get to just put it down though. You don't get to just leave it. That happened to you. That was your life. That is your life. You can't ever just be like, oh, well, the seminar's over this week. (laughs) Move on. I just said, I'll tell the story again. Like this isn't, this isn't pretend this is real life. And so when I, you know, I see you two and then, you know, when I talk to you and I'm like, I know you're wearing down and I don't want you to, but I know you also won't say no to anybody. It's like, so how do we make this efficient? How do we make this bigger and better so that you can tell the story once instead of 1700 times in a week? It's just not sustainable, even for you two. I don't care how fucking cool you think you are, Tom, but it <laughs> yeah, doesn't that work that way. It doesn't. It's a bad ass. It, it, it doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't. And you're right. You know, you can preach all day long, put your oxygen mask on, you know, I think I used to say, put your oxygen mask on, you know, as, as a female, especially, and I, we're just built for nurturing a little bit more typically is put your oxygen mask on so that you can help your kids and your husband and your family better. Now I'm like, put your oxygen mask on period. Mm-hmm. You deserve an oxygen mask period. Um, and you, you look in the mirror and you're like, you deserve an oxygen mask period. Um, and so we've done a lot better about saying no, we've done a lot better about finding the, um, the best place for us and and where we can make the most impact. And also we're starting to bring other folks in. So there's other unit members who, um, we were in an event with and they got to see us share our story on stage. They got to see kind of the power that it it put into the entire room and two of the guys after are like, I want to do that now. Like I've never even thought about sharing my story. I've never thought about doing anything like this, but to see it and then to see you guys talk for hours, you know, we'll talk for two hours after an event to person, to person, to person, anyone who wants to come up and talk and ask a question or advice or, or just to share their story, you know, we're here to do that. And they're like, wow, this is, this is an amazing experience. Like I want in on it. We're like, good sign right here. Yep. Your life is ours now. You're hired. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah. That, that is part of it. 
is building out other couples, building out other leaders that are willing to share their stories, that are willing to um, expand upon in our retreats. We're training people out. We do, we had after COVID, we had during COVID year, we had eight scheduled. Um, mm-hmm. This year we were able to pull off four um, and then next year we'll ramp back up again, hopefully. So again, training Maybe. people. Let's get those masks on. I'm people. just speaking it. I'm just speaking <laughs> it like it's happening. Let's get those double mask up, everyone. Oh my God. Whatever needs to happen. We're going for just three go. masks on this one. It's the Delta variant. You need a Kleenex <laughs> and two masks. Of course, the Delta one. Of course, it's, it's the trouble. Delta one. This is it's always Tom. a Delta variant. This is, I'm going to start calling it the Tom variant. You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, Tom Satterley fucked everybody up and he decided yep. he was just going to show up when everybody thought it was cool to live your lives again and not be controlled. But that's a different <laughs> rant for a different podcast. And apparently I'm going to be doing two a week. So I'm sure they'll be ranting in the second one. It'll be awesome. Um, I, you know, I want to talk briefly a little bit because about your, your guys's books, because I think, uh, it's not only that you do work with the people. It's not only that you guys literally look after no one else, except, you know, you're not, you're not the focal point. You guys don't look after you two and you do, but you, in my opinion, I feel like there's no fucking way you're helping as many people as you're helping and maintaining yourselves that way. Cause you're helping so many people. It's like, you're, you're two people. So you can tell me you're taking time, but like, fuck you, you're lying. So tell me about these projects because I know, and this is how you and I started, you and I started talking. These are not small publishers. These are not, this is not, you're not, these are fucking big deals. So did you just feel like you were left out of the SEAL community or did you Ah. think this could be useful? I did think he was a SEAL at first and I did encourage him to write the book. So it's all my fault. One for the ladies. You know, it's all these over here is one over here for (laughs) y'all. It's a good book, man. It's a good book. It's a really good book. I hate saying it but it's a good fucking book you add these incredible photos which i know people you know it's a book but like the it's not that the photos make the book but it helps you visually see things that maybe people can't uh really wrap if you're saying like a military terminology and you're explaining it but like this is insane you did so well i'm proud of you buddy so whatever (laughs) it's worth but where, how do we, how did this come about? Wow. Um, Jen, again, it was uh, one of those, we're talking to people, like you said, on the phone, yeah. on the phone, 40, I mean, all day long, all night long, weekends and holidays, even more. And she's like, you need to write a book. I'm like, I'm not a fucking Navy SEAL. So we're never <laughs> writing a fucking book. So he said, know. that's not what we do. That's not what we do. And, you know, did you hear quiet professional in my job description? <laughs> Yes. So relentless as she is, kept coming at me and her reasoning, right? You can't, you can't deny facts. You can, you can fuck with people, but you can't, you know, you can't deny facts. And the facts are you reach more people. You can hide some peas in the brownies. You know, here's some war stories from a Delta guy, man. And then, oh, by the way, as you're reading, you're like, what the fuck? You slipped in some shit about how fucked up you are and how you got help. You know, it's, yeah, that's what it was. It was a, it it isn't a book about, look at all the cool shit I did. I, I, I'm not that guy. I couldn't be that guy. Almost, I, I threw up a lot thinking about writing this book. And when we finally did it, I mean, Steve Jackson did such a great job of putting my story in different order to make it 
make more sense and not be boring in my opinion. And, and it kept people reading it. And, um, and I think in the end we took out 40,000, 40,000 words, words, which had a lot more. (laughs) And that's when, that's when Jen was like, well, we need to wrap your book up with what was going to be in there a little bit, but she also needed to tell her story Mm -hmm. for her. So, you know, mine was more of a, here's all the things that can go wrong. Here's all the several avenues of, of the wrong thing you can do in your life in this wonderful world. You all think, and everyone's like, thanks for writing that book. I thought you all guys were robots. And I'm thinking, and I, and I said, you actually think we're robots. Those you actually believe that we're different types of people other than people you who just didn't quit and say no, people, but and kept going. Not right. robots. And by the way, this can happen to anybody and all this can help others, you know? Um, and, and she kept saying, look, people listen to you because you're a command star major from Delta. People will listen, use that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Translates translates over whether you, whether you want to like move on from, you know, that life or you want to, you know, pretend it didn't happen. There is a lot of value in who you are. I'm sorry. Like that, you know, you, I, I hate even saying this, but you've been through shit, but you've been through it for a reason. There we go. So Tom, like I was saying, um, I think you had to go through uh, as horrific as it was and as heavy as it was. I think that you had to go through it in order to be able to do what you do now. And it's not that that wasn't valuable when you did it. It's a different stage. It's a different time and it's a different reasoning. So I think if, and maybe I'm wrong on this and tell me if I'm wrong, but part of me feels like vets who have actually done real things that have caused them to have some type of trauma or ramifications after service, I feel like they spend the rest of their lives trying to rectify everything they did. And for whatever reason, we do it so hard that we kind of forget about ourselves again all over. And even though we're doing it for the right reasons, mm -hmm, I just feel like that's you. I'm just going to like toss it out there. So. (laughs) You know, it's a responsibility now, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a responsibility. Yes. We talk about responsibility and what, what my response to my ability is now is to use my tools. Um, talking about being created to help someone, Jen, mm. I think was created in her mom's stomach when her mom was in her mom's stomach, you know, being created and being chased around the house with a butcher knife by her husband living in trauma with that DNA being infused into her mom and then also therefore being infused into her, you know, to come out here and help to help people like me. And, and, uh, it's a long line of what a link up, man. I'll tell you. Yeah. And it is, I think it's a responsibility to not walk around and say, and and play that warrior the rest of your life, because that's killing. That's reliving that high school touchdown pass you through, man. All right. Don't peek in high school. Don't peek in Somalia. Don't peek at that battle where that's, that's the rest of your life. That's what you live in, unless you're living in it to help somebody or to help others. You know, if you're living in it in misery or you're living in it for the stories or or you're on 4th of July and every time a firework goes off, you duck. Well, if you're that fucked up, leave, man. You don't need to duck every firework that goes off. I get the first backfire of a car. And then after that, you kind of got that deal now, right? If it keeps backfiring, I'm not going to keep ducking. I've seen people that keep diving under the bleachers. I'm like, all right, let's just make a movie right here. Let's just make a movie of this PTS guy who wants that story, I think, right? Who wants the story, who wants that identity for the attention still. Right, right, right. It will be with you. And I think it's a responsibility to 
share the good parts of that and how to triumph. And that's not in your world. In special operations, we don't see anyone faking PTSD. It's the oh, opposite God, no. of faking that you don't yeah, have it. Faking that they're okay. Yeah. Right? And it's that's so perfect. obvious too now. Yeah. Like, like I don't know if you two notice it, but I notice it. I'm not a, even, a, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I know what I've read and learned over therapy for the past fucking decade of my life. So I know that. But when I see someone and I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's, yeah. that's what you yeah. think. Yes. You cover your ass here because like I'm watching you and it's, every movement from the movement of your fingertips to the tapping of your foot to you constantly looking around. That's what I was going to ask you too, during your retreat. How did you make that work? Because most of my friends need their back to a wall and we always fight in the restaurant who gets the back to the wall. So how did you guys make that work in a round circle? It's very private. We talk about probability versus possibility. We do. Ah. You guys are living in the world of probability. I'm probably going to have somebody run into this building and shoot. So right. I'm going to sit with my back to the wall. I go, you're in a possibility world. It's possible it could happen. So we put them in a glass room, three walls okay. of windows and doors. Oh, and the shit. back wall where they entered is three doors. And they all have to sit with their backs to all the windows and doors and face inward. Oh, I'm not anxiety. I literally just got like, like an up my spine. We, like I got visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. we, we do have a trauma expert and therapist with us. <laughs> That is but 10 years, and I'm telling we you. We talk about still... sitting with your back to the door and why. And he did, Well, you it know, just makes sense. I honestly, go, yeah, how many of you go into a restaurant and look for all the exits and sit with you? I go, he did. I fucking do, man, because that's stupid not to. And I'm thinking, well, the rest of you dumb motherfuckers are dead, right? You yeah, know what? We, I walk in, I flop down, yes. put my back to the door. Come on in, man. You fucking knock me out first. That's great. Time. I get to miss all of it, but... It took time though. It, Pause. It, probability versus possibility. It took I time. was living in the probability world and it and it was ruining me and, and making me stressed out for no reason and creating situations where I know guys won't sit there unless they can sit. Guy, really, right. come on. Let's let's pause, put it into our yeah. brains. It's okay. I'm in the middle of, you know, I don't know, Oklahoma. Who's gonna come in here and spray? Is it possible? Sure. It's, it's possible. Time. Are you talking about? Of course, it's I possible. Know. I don't know what we're going on in Oklahoma, but it's well. to, to be clear, to be clear, this is again after eight years of processing. Yeah. Because when I met him, you know, I could see his where he would survey the room, the exits, the available weapons at his disposal, which might be a beer bottle, a knife, this, this, and that. I could see him go through the process. And eventually I was like, I had read a book about a Marine who was going through exposure therapy. His expo- part of his therapy was his therapist said, you can't sit with your back to the door anymore. You have to face and you have to talk to the waiter and you have to do these things. So I'm like, we're trying that here. I'm no therapist, but let's do that. So we'd walk into a restaurant and I would sit down and he'd look at me like move. And I'm like, go ahead. No, nope. sit down. And I didn't realize as soon as I started using the language with him, I'm paying attention. I've got your back. I'm watching. Yeah. Then he could relax. At first he's like, I, I don't like this. Cause he thought I was not paying attention. As soon as he knew, like I've got you, it's okay. Yeah. Or a, a couple of times I identified, I'm like, oh, that guy's kind of weird or something. And he's like, okay, I appreciate that. You're not a completely and utterly, Without you know, so the sickness spread the wrong way. It went yeah. into her, yeah, but, <laughs> but I did, did in a way that, that, that I caught a terrorist like- though with it. What? So I, I legit she busted up a terrorist organization through oh. training. Hey, hit me with it. Give it to me. I <laughs> fuck. I can now tell you that now. Sleep. When I have 15, 
Yeah. Now we're all yeah, dead. Jen. Tell me, Jen. Well, it was. I was talking to a unit member, former unit member, who I was helping through a problem. And I was like, okay, I got to go pick up my kids. So I'm just going to take it on the call. So watch your language. You know, right. um, I've got, well, he's 15 at the time. It's cool. But um, and had been working with him for a while. We became friends. And all of a sudden I was like, this is really weird. It's May. And the guy driving behind me has big glass, black uh, glasses on. He's got a hoodie on and he has like 50 tanks in his car. And the guy's like, what kind of tanks? I'm like, they're like green helium tanks, but there's like 50 of them in his little car. And he's like looking it up. He goes, what color? And I'm like, he goes, that's argon. That's a bomb. That's to make bombs. He goes, hang up with me right now and call the FBI line. And so he's telling my... Yeah, he's telling my son to take pictures. I was like, Luke, take pictures. Soon as Luke took a picture of his license plate and car, the guy on the highway hit his brakes, created all this distance between us, went across five lanes of the highway, got off the highway. He's like, "Okay, hang up with me. I call the FBI. Here's my tip. I'm like, really? My husband was Delta for CSM. I'm not totally crazy because the guy from the unit's like, tell them who your husband is. Tell them. Yeah. Like you're not just a rig. So I tell him what happens. He calls a friend he has who's still active in the FBI was like, we just turn in a tip just so you know, it's Jen. And it does sound iffy. Well, my son comes home. I'm not even kidding. A year later, was it? No, it was months later. And he said, did you see what was in the newspaper? They, that guy that we caught and had this picture was a bomb maker in St. Louis. Busted up a whole cell network. So his training. <laughs> we also had somebody show up at the house with a big black duffel bag snooping around my vehicle one day trying to do something with it when I was in bed. I came flying out with my gun and he took off in some car and had the FBI. Well, the cops came NSA. by first, found out later it was uh, just some kooky old vet worried about some shit. Meanwhile, the cops parked on the street. I'm underneath my truck with a flashlight looking at it, you know, looking you around. See where, engine, he ran his hands. see where his fingers were on there. And I, and I went up by the car, uh, by the cop car and I go, my family's in the backyard. They know what's going on. And I went, started it and i go he was not happy all right and he goes i got the bomb squad coming i go i'm not waiting all fucking night for the bomb squad i do this for a living went down there opened up the car i go we're good to go and then they oh it's kooky vet and then they came back later with two different fbi agents and shit (laughs) we googled you and we're sorry and um oh by the way we're casing all the you know what other i'm not gonna even say what they were casing and um, yeah 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 Yeah. bringing us pictures for weeks i'm like holy shit was it this guy was it this guy was it this guy i'm like this is really intense he was running away i don't know i don't know who it was tom you leave the fight but the fight doesn't leave you (laughs) right i was sick that day what a sick day but yeah um through her actions you know a year year later it came back out again where they had busted a whole financial ring from that one bust and the human so, trafficking and the money movement and the laundering. So what you're saying is you're a goddamn superhero. And I guess that's just Jen. You see something, say something. It works. Yeah, well, oh, well, that too. I mean, we don't need to Smokey the Bear that shit, but I got it. Well, if you see something, you say something. And you can be like Jen Satterley one day and foil <laughs> fucking single-handedly while the FBI hasn't done it. Single-handedly be in the right place at the right time. Have a son that's actually has the balls to do what you say. Hey, do me a favor. You take a picture of the bomb behind us driving down the freeway. I have a feeling it's a full-blown bomb. Super close to us. Don't worry if it goes off. You'll die immediately. It'll be fine. Take a picture. Put your hand out the window. Let them see your face. Let me make a call to the FBI. Let me find somebody else that Tom knows that calls the FBI and be like, you know what, guys? 
don't worry about your 12 months to 18 months of investigations yes. and watching and wiretapping. Don't stress. Jen's on it. Yeah, it was they just did a normal blow her Tuesday. Off. They did blow her off too. You're so fucking right. They did. Of course they yeah. did. Of course they did. It's the same. Do I need to get in with compartmentalization of uh, yeah. agencies? Like you don't, you don't need that rant. That's another day rant. That's a Tuesday rant. We'll do that then. Um, I want you before you guys have to go because you have a cooler person to talk to. I want to talk to you. Yeah, I want to talk to you about <laughs> Arsenal of Hope because um, you told me the story behind the cover of this, and of course, my heart just. You should just try to be, you, sh- you know what you should do, Tom. You should try to do more things, be a nicer person. You suck. Um, yeah. You want to tell me about how you got this incredible photo on the book cover. And then also give me a quick overview of what this book is about and where people can find them because you do have a heart out, but you will be coming back on. So go. I will. Yeah, we are. Oh, I think he, she wanted you to tell the story. Do you remember it? He's probably like, yeah, no, she found that photo somewhere and wanted to use it, but couldn't find, you know, I she needed approval. Obviously she, she's big into that world. I, I'm like, photo on who gives a shit. And she's like, no, I need to right? do this right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, Simon gonna... and Schuster is not going to approve the cover with me stealing it. So that's a nightmare to find out where a photo originates. And I, and I don't know how I, I finally got lucky Googling the crap. She's like wanted to do it and it was having a tough time doing other things. So I'm like, I'll figure this out. And I just started Googling it, found out that was in LA. It's uh, at the, the University. University of LA library, blah, blah, blah. But nobody was answering. I wrote it was five. During COVID. During COVID, I wrote, I left five or six voicemails, wrote five or 10 emails. And finally, about two weeks later, to who? It was so cute that he reached out to somebody in the medical department at UCLA instead of the archives. Well, just somebody who would answer. I kept reaching out to people who had an email <laughs> address. So and I figured somebody will respond and tell me where to go, right? And right. finally, it ended up being, well, that picture's so old. No one gives a shit, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, go ahead and use it all day long. I'm, I'm going to keep this email, right? For right. Forever. So when you do sue us, um, we're they take it off, but. Yeah, it was one of those, oh, no, those rights are to the library, the, you know, and then called the library, and, and they talked to 10 people at the library, around. and finally, someone's like, oh, no, that's a that's awesome, use that photo all you want. I'm like, oh, thank God. He's so yeah. happy. And he just went through all that work, just for you, just for the person who foils. Yeah, he like is Paris a very Fox. awesome husband. It's called makeup stuff, you know, you're always <laughs> making up for stuff. It's okay, I do the same, it's fine, it's fine. Tell me about the book, though, Jen. So I, you know, for the same reason, Tom, I pushed him to write All Secure was the same reason Arsenal of Hope came about. I talked to, I think people look at Tom and they're like, oh, he talks to the warriors and you talk to the spouses. When the reality is, I think probably 80% of who I'm talking to are warriors. Um, And then I'm lucky enough to get to talk to some spouses as well. Um, But really what I was hearing was I would talk to a warrior. We would have two-hour conversation then we would have our follow-ups and he would say like can you talk to my wife now and because what you've explained to me about myself she just needs to hear it because then she'd better understand what's going on I'm like I understand okay yes and so I would have a phone call with the spouse and say have you thought about x y and z and maybe how this is impacting your relationship and then here are some things you can do and then I was just having that phone call 10 times a day and so I'm like if I write a book then I could say read all secure or read all arsenal of hope. This is the foundation. And then let call me and let's get to work because right. instead of laying out, you know, a hundred and something pages, you can read my book in a, in a sitting. It's pretty easy. 
I made it's it that way. Read. It's a quick read. Um, and hopefully yeah. again, it's just light switch stuff. It's my story. It's his story. It's spouse's stories. It's other warriors who I said, can I share your story? Can I share your struggles? Can I share how you got to the other side of it? And, you know, everything from women who have served, who have been told you don't have PTSD because you're a woman and women don't fight in combat to, you know, literally one of the bad. You're a woman. You can't have it. Yep. Are you crazy? You know, or straight up to, they told him he couldn't have his diagnosis with PTSD was denied because he said he'd go back. Um, of course I he'd go back. go back. Of course. We'd I didn't go say back. I was a pussy. I said <laughs> yeah, I was hurting. Exactly. I'm hurting. I'm not dead. She's like, she yes. got mad. She's like, you freaking special operations guys piss me off. And I go, why? She goes, you just never say no. And I go, you're welcome. Yeah. I go, you're, you a little bit. you're fucking welcome. The right. Somebody gets up off their ass and goes, does a shitty fucking job. Why you make fun of them, call them stupid hobo redneck. But yeah, they'll come back and, and say, fuck it, it I did it anyway. And you pussy should time do it. Time and time again. You know? Exactly. Uh, so nobody's better getting... than anybody else. They just go no. do those things that others don't choose to do. Right. That's right. And then we all come back and like, uh, I'm not ever marrying this kind, you know, uh, <laughs> this kind, this kind. <laughs> the liberal art world. What the hell? And they're like, rippers and blow for me only. Yep. Yep. <laughs> don't fucking act like I don't know your community. Do you all have people those? Like, people like, like a what, starter what's package? Wrong with you? What's yes. wrong with Tom? I go, why? Because I'm happy. Um, I'm like, you're hanging out with your hippie friends now or something. I go, yeah, yeah, we're weird. It's weird that I'm smiling now. And it's weird, right? To actually feel things. Yeah. Get, eh? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what yeah. you can accomplish when you feel things. Yeah. When your heart beats, you know, it's not that difficult. The guy's the telling her, telling me, though, yeah, this shit doesn't just... bother me. I don't care. That doesn't hurt me. I never had that. All right. You're a She's cried at my book. You cried at my book. Oh, I, 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 uh, it's a I cry all the time now, but. Her book is a shame book for me. And um, <laughs> go ahead and pick it up today. It's a shame book for me. It's, it's quick. Why is it a shame book? Because I think that's. I think I, it's that's about wrong. me doing all that dumb shit that's shameful, but it's a book about uh, guys like me who repeat this behavior. This book, you could insert yeah, anybody's yeah. name, gals, too, in, into this. You could insert the bad behavior in there, right? Um, right. And look back and not admit it because you don't want to admit and get caught right some people haven't got caught get it that's great i, I understand it but you can move on right because right. the fear of of the cheating and the fear of getting caught and the fear of being wrong and the fear of hurting someone um and then the real actuality of you're wrong yeah. you know you're fucking wrong no matter what you tell yourself you're doing wrong and then when you finally get it right you know the fear of me coming out and answering and admitting and, and talking and, and telling her about things and it's a goddamn nightmare. It's not fun. It's not fun, but it, it helped me. It, it, you felt the truth free. shall set you free, man. I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. I've never felt better than, than spewing all the shit I did and knowing there's no more. You're not going to sneak up and find something in an email or a call or uh, somebody might call and go, I fucked Tom in the elevator that day. Cause I'm good. Like, whatever. I'll be like, Nope, didn't do it here. You know, I got proof. I know. Cause I, I, I've laid it out. I, I live happier that way. I live less stressed free. that way and I'm more free. Uh, that's yeah. what you said the other day. You're like, I feel really free. I feel free of the mm. trauma. I feel free. It's a bear around well, here. Yeah, there is. It's a grizzly um, bear that's rare here. though. No, but that's rare though. To, to have that feeling after being who you are and yep. seeing what you've seen and you, Jen, doing the same thing and being in a marriage and feeling free in a marriage and feeling free in, in yourself and your relationship to be who you are. That's fucking ginormous and invaluable. You cannot put a price on what that feels like to be with a companion that makes you feel free and okay 
to be who you are, even when, when who you are is a terrifying human being sometimes, or not a nice person, doesn't make it any, any different than anybody else. It just means that this person makes you feel free and there's a reason for it. And she really, it seems like as much as you were the, the catalyst to this book here, again, we needed someone and you needed someone that could be that for each other in order for her to help. You guys had to go through hell together and on your own to be able to put it together. Sometimes our roads are different, right? Some are filled yeah. with potholes. Some of us get paved ways the whole way. Others who choose different, we just don't. And you are stronger for it and you are making the world better because of it. And I, I think it's no, I think it's honestly no, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not coincidence. You went through hell that you were there, Tom. It's not coincidence that you felt suicidal and she was met you out on the, on the street. It's not, this isn't coincidences. There are things in life that are supposed to happen in order for the world to keep moving and, and you two meeting and, and being and doing what you're doing. It's that's, that's, this is the reason. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's a good that. summary. I agree. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I know Stop you guys it. have to go, so I'm going to, I'm going to cut it there. Oh, we'll but, come back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if, even if it's by force, like I will make it happen. Um, so <laughs> tell everyone where you can get All Secure's book, uh, The Arsenal of Hope, All Secure. Is it .org or .com? It's allsecurefoundation.org. Okay. You can get the books there. Um, 100% of these books go back to fund our foundation. So this is not funding Tom and Jen. It's funding I'm All Secure rich. Foundation. Well, our either. But um, so if you go on to our website, we sign them, we ship them, or you can get them at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite independent bookseller. Get oh, used to that oh, I like that. That's an aggressive yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I can just slip that in there. Why wouldn't you? Um, okay, right? guys, I, uh, it's an honor, Tom, you're an acceptable human at best. Mm -hmm. I think the world has years and years and years to learn from you too. And I think it's only going to get better. Jen, thank you for finding the bearded man and, and fixing what only can be compared to as one of our, uh, our best humans on this planet. So both of you, I, I owe you a debt of gratitude. And so do the listeners at Brass and Unity. And uh, we'll talk with you guys all later. Say bye, everyone. Thank bye. you so much. <laughs>